Psalm 149. Praise to God for His salvation and judgment. Praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song. His praise in the assembly of His faithful people. Let Israel rejoice in their Maker. Let the people of Zion be glad in their King. Let them praise His name with dancing and make music to Him with timbrel and harp. For the Lord takes delight in His people. He crowns the humble with victory. Let His faithful people rejoice in this honor and sing for joy on their couches. May the praise of God be in their mouths and a double-edged sword in their hands to inflict vengeance on the nations and punishment on the peoples, to bind their kings with fetters, their nobles with shackles of iron, to carry out the sentence written against them. This is the glory of all his faithful people. Praise the Lord. A reading from the Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 18, verses 15 to 20, dealing with sin in the church. If your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over. But if they will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. Truly I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the thoughts and the meditations of our hearts and minds be ever acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. How do you respond to disagreement and conflict? What is your conflict style? Are you the type of person who, when feeling slighted, will go in all guns blazing, making sure that the person who has upset you knows well to leave you alone from here on in, and that everyone else knows that you are not somebody to be trifled with? Or are you instead one of those who prefer to avoid conflict at all costs? that you'll stay off to one side, nursing a grievance, letting resentment and hurt dominate. 
Because, let's be honest, if only everyone was calm, sensible and reasonable, then getting along with one another would be, well, straightforward and easy all of the time. But the trouble is that everyone isn't calm, sensible and reasonable. And let's be honest, even the best of us, well, we must confess that we do some very silly things, that our actions and words will too often hurt others. And we like to think that the church is immune from this, that the church is a place where none of this sort of thing happens. And yet, when we're honest, we know that it clearly does. Jesus, in our Gospel reading, is making it clear that the church is not immune to bad behaviour and that people will rub one another up the wrong way. But occasionally, let's be clear, it has been even worse than that. In the past, we have seen cases where the church has been a place of abuse and fear, where people have felt controlled, threatened and excluded. Not all people who come to church have necessarily over the years had entirely honourable intentions. There are those who have sought to claim power or to gain it, certainly at others' expense. So how are we to respond to conflict, to those disagreements? How do we respond to those actions which damage and mar our own full flourishing. I guess what I'm trying to ask is, what does forgiveness actually mean? Our Gospel reading for today is rich with advice for us on how to get along with one another. In my experience with seeing conflicts in church and other places, what typically happens when people disagree with one another is that the one who is upset says nothing to the person who has caused the upset. Instead, the angry person will go and talk to his or her friends and supporters and begin to gather sympathetic ears for a message that the other person has done the injured party wrong. Soon there is a large and growing group who know of the wrong done and they all begin to search their own memory banks for examples of when that person wronged them as well. Meanwhile, the person who is now being vilified and whose list of transgressions grow each day has no idea that he or she has done anything to anyone. Then, when the problem ultimately comes to a head, the original issue has actually been forgotten or has morphed into something entirely different than the slight it started as. Meanwhile, the person who started it all with some relatively minor act has suddenly become a major villain, simply from the power of bad feelings, innuendo and accusation. Jesus is talking about this in Matthew 18. Jesus lays out how a Christian community should handle these things. Quite simply, he suggests that we need to talk about things openly, honestly, and directly, person to person. Jesus wants the person who has been hurt to talk directly to the one who has hurt them, 
and to lay things out in an honest fashion, in hope that the issues will get resolved. Jesus doesn't say hijack them, and nor does he suggest that the best way is to strike them across the face with a glove and then demand either pistols or sabres at dawn. Instead, he says that we should speak honestly and directly with each other, not in anger, but also not hiding any hurt that has been done. There is not to be a winner and a loser. What he wants is reconciliation. Both parties getting back as much as is possible to a place of shared care and concern, forgiveness and understanding. That doesn't mean that the wrongful act should be ignored or dismissed. And it certainly doesn't mean that the perpetrator of the sinful act should be allowed to persist in their aggression or abuse. Jesus doesn't give his instructions so that the person who has sinned gets a free pass. The sin needs to stop. And if it doesn't, then reconciliation itself is not actually possible. Here is where forgiveness comes into the picture. Forgiveness is not about the person who has been wronged remaining in a permanent state of victimhood. Nor is it a process of self-deception allowing those damaging and hurtful things to persist. Rather, it is an honest assessment of what has happened and where possible, the chance for both parties to move on. Where that is not possible, it is for the person who has been sinned against to move on, to free themselves from the hurt that they have experienced, but not to retaliate and create further grievances and further injustices. What Jesus wants is for the person who has been sinned against to engage in forgiveness so that that person can get his or her life back in order, no longer bound by anger and resentment that can extinguish the flame of Christian love. I remember a conversation I had with a, a church member well over a decade ago, where she said to me that Jesus didn't half say some silly things, all that rubbish about forgiving people. She herself had been hurt by several people in her life and she was an expert at nursing those grievances. She was still consumed by bitterness and disappointment for things that had occurred 50 years previously. She was one of those who wallowed in her anger and I have to say it made her a really tough person to like as a result. Her inability to forgive dominated her life and actually it damaged who she was and damaged relationships she had with other people. When Jesus suggests forgiveness, for some it may seem like a silly thing because forgiveness is not the natural reaction. 
Anger and lashing out is much quicker and much easier. But I think we all know that longer term, it causes a lot more damage. Forgiveness must be learned and practiced over and over. It is the way that God engages with each of us, where God constantly forgives us for the messing up that we have made of our lives and our world. Forgiveness needs to be present in all our actions and all our interactions, particularly when conflict first presents itself and we are sorting out our own emotions and reactions to the thing that has happened. Earlier in Matthew's Gospel, let's remember, Matthew suggested that we should not fixate on the speck in our brother or sister's eye and ignore the log in our own. Is there a situation in your life for which you need to forgive? Is there a resentment still eating away? In your prayers, seek God's will to guide. Sort out the facts and in your prayers, try to work towards solutions. Jesus, in our reading for today, he doesn't just give us helpful hints. He tells us precisely what to do. My prayer for us this week is that as a church, individual congregation and globally for the church, that we can be places, safe places of honest engagement, sites of healing and reconciliation. And that each of us has the faith, the courage and the common sense to act in the humble, loving spirit of Christ. Forgiveness is hard. So Jesus doesn't just give us advice. He adds some reassurance. Where we seek to uncover the truth, where we seek forgiveness and reconciliation, we are not alone. He is with us. For where two or three gather together in my name, I am with you. And for that, let us thank God. Amen.